control. You would think I wouldn't have to explain what it is, but in all my years of trying to decode my personality and my reactions and who I am and my fears, control is the root. And often it lingers, it's sneaky. Here are some examples. Controlling your body, trying to control your body through diet, exercise. Controlling how you want your child to be, especially after they exhibit a behavior you are not okay with. You want to mold and control who they become. Your need to be right. Needing to be viewed as smart or beautiful or gorgeous. Needing to know how things will manifest in your life instead of just relaxing and surrendering that you will know if you need to know. Not allowing anyone to tell you what to do in any small way. That's me. Controlling the way people view you. This is a sneaky one and this is people-pleasing. People-pleasing is trying to control the way people perceive you. And the list goes on and on and on and on. I am very, very convinced that control is the root of all suffering. Most likely, the lack of control leads to almost all of our anguish. So what does control give us? It must give us something, otherwise we wouldn't want it. Control gives us a feeling of safety. Most of the time, the safety is an illusion. It's not real. For example, how are we floating on this huge big ball called Earth? It's literally floating in a void of darkness. It can fall at any moment. Anything can happen at any moment. And we convince ourselves we're safe on this floating ball that we live on. Rationally, I don't think we should feel safe because the concept is just wild. But we have convinced ourselves we're safe, so we feel safe. Or what about the fact that you don't know when you're going to die? It could be tomorrow. It could be in one year. It could be in two months. You can die at any moment. And it's something we don't even think of. We convince ourselves we will live until we're 95 and old. We convince ourselves of that, so then we feel safe. So then we don't even have to think about death today or tomorrow. Or what about if you're married or have kids? Their life's not guaranteed. But we convince ourselves everything is guaranteed and our life will be according to this plan in our head. It is all to make ourselves feel safe. And that's not bad or wrong. It is just how the human ego works. It needs to feel safe at all times. In order to do that, we try to control everything in our power and we suffer when things are not in our power. Because when things are not in our power and in our control, that is when we do not feel safe. And when the pandemic happened in that first month, this was a lesson for all of us. Feeling safe in this world is what we all strive for. Even if you don't even know it, we all strive for this feeling of safety. So when the minute the pandemic happened, no one felt safe. Everything was an unknown. 
Life itself became a huge question mark. Our life became a huge unknown, staring at us in our face. We were staring at our lack of control. This is why we felt unsafe in those first weeks or months of the pandemic. And this is why it did not feel good. And then as the pandemic progressed, I saw all of these other themes of control pop up. Like, please don't get political and, you know, put a label on me when I'm going to explain the control of the pandemic that I saw because it's probably not anything you've thought of. I saw people get really, really, really upset with the man-made rules and control that were being placed on them. And everyone reacts different because we all have different personalities. But for some people, being majorly controlled by these man-made rules that they probably didn't agree with caused a lot of anger. People don't want to be controlled. They don't want to be feeling powerless. And then I saw other people be terrified because of their lack of control over the virus, especially in the beginning weeks when no one really knew anything. And I think people still don't really know much. There's still so many unknowns. But people were so afraid of the virus because they felt so out of control. Like it can just invade them at any moment. It's the lack of control. So for those people, I feel like their lack of control was staring at them in their face when the truth of life is that we don't control our destiny. We typically don't have the end date to our life on earth. We don't control the day our husband dies or anything. Like that is beyond us. We don't have control over so much in our lives. And I think this is what the virus was showing people. The lack of control and how that feels and how scary that is. And then the anecdotes to this lack of control for some people is the vaccine or getting Trump out and putting Biden in. For them, this calms their anxiety because they're going to get their safety through the vaccine. So then they feel in control. This is literally just a power struggle of being out of control and then feeling in control. It's just feeling unsafe and then feeling safe. But it's all so ironic to me because to me, all of life is unknown. Seriously, how does the galaxy exist? How was God created if you believe in a greater power? The origin of God? Like, that, that's an unknown. How is a human being created from a ball of cells? How is a personality created from a ball of cells? All of life is an unknown. We don't have control over much in our lives. This is the absolute fact of life. The only thing you can control is how you treat people, how you speak to yourself, the things you watch, the things you read, how you treat your body, how you treat yourself, how you treat other people, the things you speak and think and feel. And yes, sometimes we don't have control over our feelings, but once a feeling comes up, we can then with our free will attach to it and keep feeling it for five days or feel it for an hour and then let it go. These are the things we are in control of. And if we don't 
get this lesson, if this pandemic did not teach us this lesson, this lesson will keep looping back, cycling back every week, every month, every year until we can embrace that life is an unknown and we cannot control it. We cannot control this pandemic. We cannot control other people than ourselves. But our ego does not like to hear this because our ego loves to control other people, loves to try to control things outside of us because it feeds on that control to give us safety. And this is what we're going to talk about. It is such a huge topic, but the main things I want to talk about is how control shows up in relationships because this is when control rears its ugly head. Getting married. We literally get married for the safety we think it will provide us. I know you're going to say, no, that's not why. Everyone's going to say, I just love my husband or all these other excuses. But the truth is, and I'm probably telling you something you may have not ever thought deeply of, but this is what I do. I deep dive into patterns, situations, feelings that most people don't deep dive into. And when I'm analyzing marriage, we want marriage so desperately for the safety it will make us feel. That little piece of paper is for our mind, for a sense of safety, and maybe for our taxes. Because in order for our mind to feel safe, it has to convince us that marriage is forever. And we all want it to be forever. But it's just not reality. The truth, reality of life is that people die and people leave all the time. And that's an uncomfortable truth. But ask any divorcee or widow. Their illusion of safety was shattered. Shattered. I know my mom did not sign up to be a single mother of six after her husband died. That's not what she signed up for. She signed up for a lifetime of safety and comfort and good feelings. But that's just not reality. I'm not trying to burst your bubble or make you anxious. I'm just trying to show you how your need for safety controls most of our lives. And we're pretty clueless. But unfortunately, we wake up when tragedy happens to us. Our illusions of safety are busted right open with tragedy. We wake up to the truth that nothing in life is guaranteed. Not a long life, not a long time marriage. But you know what this lesson allows us to live? It allows us to live more present. The gift of tragedies, if we're clued in, tapped in, is that we don't take people for granted as much anymore. We don't take marriage for granted. We don't take spouses for granted. We savor moments and people so much more after tragedy. I truly believe this is the gift of death and divorce. Is that we can then love life so much greater. We love people so much greater because we know life isn't guaranteed. 
there's a saying that says, shit happens for the shift to happen. This is when a lot of us awaken. And you know the shit that happens? It's not in our control. The shift that happens within us, that awakens us, usually happens through all the events we cannot control. Think back to all the unanswered prayers. You're so happy we're not answered. I have some. I definitely have some. I am so thankful they were not answered. So imagine you had control of your life and you got exactly what you wanted. Exactly when you wanted it. It would have been a disaster. For me, that's true. So sometimes we don't know really what we need, especially for our growth. The things we think we want is not what we need to become a better person for our growth and to heal. One of my favorite quotes is, when we let go of control, spirit has space to work magic. And this is what I have seen in my own life. So how I have gotten out of the driver's seat is by looking at all of the unexpected blessings and the hardest things I have ever gone through that became my lessons, my growth, and especially my blessings. I did not want to write that hard shit into my life. The grief I felt, I wouldn't have write that as my life story, but that's what I needed. And I didn't know that. So some of the hardest things I've been through is um, my dad died when I was 12, My husband and I broke up for a few months years ago. That was the hardest moment of my life. That was the biggest grief of my life, even more than my dad. It's crazy to say that, but it's true. But now, looking back, that hardest deep well of grief for me was the greatest blessing of my life because for us, it saved us. And I know for other people, it might not pan out that way, but I know most people they become so grateful for their divorce. It saved us because it awakened all of our toxic habits, our horrible communication styles. And thankfully, we both were like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I am so not good at communicating. I have so much growth to do. I need therapy. And we both put in the work and we both went to therapy And we both wanted to rebuild something. And that's why it worked out for us. But I'm very brutally honest that, you know, (laughs) our story might come to an end at any moment. I, I do believe love is a choice. But I'm also just very real that my marriage is not guaranteed. And it helps me. I love it. It makes me let go of things faster and it doesn't mean I'm just happy all the time and I don't you know make a fuss of anything it just means I know life is short and my marriage can be taken away tomorrow if he died so I truly let go of things as fast as I can I'm saying all this because I'm showing you that the hardest moments in my life were perfectly designed to help me get rid of my control because I didn't choose any of this hard stuff yet it was everything I needed it carved me into exactly who I am today and I am so proud of myself and I am so so happy 
for the way my life has been written out. I wouldn't change anything. Honest to God, I would not change anything. Another huge topic in my life that has helped me let go of the reins of control is the fact that I haven't gotten pregnant in many years. But the best part of the story is that if I got pregnant when I thought I was ready and that's what I wanted and needed and it would save me and make me happy, I would have been a parent during the hardest grief of me and my husband breaking up for a few months. I would have been a parent through that. And I felt like I couldn't even mother my cat. So amidst that deep grief I was in, I couldn't even fathom being a parent. And I know people do it all the time, but I think that's a whole other level of courage and bravery that I couldn't even fathom and I couldn't even muster because I felt like I couldn't even mother my cat during that deep grief stage. And I know mothers who go through divorce with their kids, they commend their kids for loving them through such deep grief and their kids are kind of such a great distraction and everyone's story is so different I just I just remember saying to myself the unanswered prayer of not having a kid was the best thing I could have ever imagined when I was in that deep grief so I have you know this circumstance and that circumstance that show me again and again and again that if I was in the driver's seat I would have made my life 10 times harder than it actually needed to be. This is how I let go of control, especially in the grand scheme of my life. People ask me, just how do I let go of control? I'm like, look at your life. Look at the unexpected blessings that you had no control over. Look at the hardest things you have been through and how they turned into a blessing or that it taught you some major thing and you can't imagine being who you are without that hardship. This is how we let go of control, by seeing that the greatest things in our life that happened that we didn't want helped us. It's what we needed. I fully believe there is this power out there, out in the universe, the creator, the divine, that knows exactly what we need. It's a power that's on top of a mountaintop and it sees everything. It sees the valley, it sees all the other mountaintops, whereas our little human mind is in the middle of a valley. It sees shit, it sees nothing. And it thinks it does. It thinks it can see everything and knows everything and it doesn't. How many times has your mind been wrong? How many unanswered prayers are you like, Whew! so happy that didn't pan out? I can tell you with precision what our marriage would have looked like if I had gotten pregnant years ago when I thought I was ready, okay? It all deals with control. If I got pregnant years ago before I was aware of myself, you know, my patterns, my reactions, my wounds, my communication styles with my husband, everything. If I was, you know, asleep and became the parent I thought I wanted to be, I would have done all of these toxic um, patterns with my husband with control. Like 100%, I would have done a situation like this. You know, and maybe I will, but I'll be aware that I am. This is the pattern that would have happened. Hey, will you get the kid ready for bed? You know, have him take a bath, get him ready for bed. I need help. I'm 
strung out. I need help. Then my husband would maybe do the burrito swaddle wrong, like not tight enough. And then I would critique that and say, just redo what he, what I asked him to do. I would redo it because it wasn't good enough because, you know, I needed the control, even though I asked him for help. So this is what the pattern would be. I ask for help. I want him to step up to the plate. Then when he steps up to the plate, I criticize everything he does. None of it's good enough. Then in the future, it makes him never want to step up to the plate because he can never do anything right. This is a pattern in women that I see. We nag our husbands to do more, help out more. And then when they do, we criticize them. And then they will never, ever, ever want to step up to the plate ever again. This is how we oppress men. And it's dangerous. This is how a lot of relationships crumble and fall apart. Is this power dynamic, this control dynamic where the woman asks the man, and I'm not blaming just women all the time, but I'm saying this is a pattern that is so common for women. And this happens all the time. And women are at fault. No, not everything is the woman's fault, but we do wear 50% of the relationship pants. It's a 50-50 relationship and we have to take ownership for that 50%. And some of that 50% is this control dynamic in which we say to the man, we need help with this. Why don't you do more of that? We nag, nag, nag for whatever reason. I think there's a deeper reason behind the nagging, but we nag And then we critique everything they do and we crush their ego. What man is going to sit around their whole life just accepting the crushing of their ego that women so easily do so often? And yes, the roles can be reversed. But I observe this woman behavior all the time. This is what I did. I see my friends do it. I know other marriages that have fallen through because of it. I am so thankful I have not gotten pregnant yet because I have learned this toxic pattern is within me. It's totally what I used to do. And I might, you know, whenever I become a parent, I might still get those urges to criticize and do all that crap. But I am aware and I can choose different. And this is what time has given me Because I didn't get what I thought I wanted years ago, this is the gift I have, is this awareness. And whenever we become parents, we might not create those toxic patterns that I would never want to have my kids witness. I don't want kids to know that it's normal for the mom just to crush the dad's ego all the time and to make him feel worthless and that whatever he does is not enough and not good enough. Because my ultimate truth, what I really believe, is that I inspire to be more like men. I want to care less about everything. Women are way too strung out about everything, every little thing. Every little thing women overthink, overanalyze, take personal. Whereas men just relax. That is what I want to be like. Dads are my inspiration truly relaxed parents which are the dads normally inspire me that's the way to live be like oh everything's gonna be okay yeah of course 
women are so good for so many things and mothers put in 10 times more work and effort and and you know yin and yang there's good and bad and everything but there's this quality of men that I that I love so much they truly do not stress about the little things I feel like they understand life in that way they would die happy today because their mind isn't cluttered by unnecessary things and that's all a mass generalization of course not all men and all women are certain ways but I'm just saying for me I look at men in awe because of how little usually they don't need to control like they're happy with what is like the way men really accept their wives for who they are of what I've seen and the way my husband treats me, that's how I want to be. It's so inspiring to me. He's never tried to change me. Okay, he wants me to do the dishes more. That's it, (laughs) for real. Like, in our 13 years of being together, he wants me to do the dishes more. He accepts me so completely. And do you want to know how many times I've tried to change him? It's embarrassing. And I really started changing when I realized, oh my gosh, what if... What if he was doing all the things I do to him? What if he was doing it to me? I would die. I'd be gone. If he was trying to critique me and nag me and change me in all the ways I change him, I'd be out. But then it's like, who am I to do it to someone? How can I do it to someone when I would never accept that treatment for myself? What kind of delusional world do I live in? Who do I think I am? Who I am is a person that gets off on this sense of power and control. That's how I've been operating for decades. But now I'm done with it. I'm aware of it. And you don't change overnight. I still have these tendencies in me, but I can watch them play out in my mind. And I don't have to take part in the action. That's where I'm at. I have so much more to talk about. I feel like I just got the tip of the iceberg. This control issue is huge. Like, I could talk about this for weeks. But I think part two is going to be really trying to pinpoint where your control issues are. I'm going to be referencing the Enneagram a little bit. So I would recommend going to the Enneagram Institute website. Pay the $12 to do the personality test. You will not regret it. You will learn so much about yourself. For me, this is base one of doing the inner work. And then in part three, I'm hoping to talk about control in parenthood and relationships even more in depth. I'm going to reference the book, The Awakened Family, which is one of my favorite conscious parenting books. Just so much more in store because I've been writing about this topic in all my little notes on my iPhone for years. I have so much to say. I think about this topic so much. So please stick around.